Does it feel like we're recording? <coughs> I was trying to do a dramatic sip from this I, <laughs> awesome mug. I had a whole skit planned out, and mm, now, really I've, now, I, now I've sucked coffee down the wrong way, <laughs> and I'm dying. <coughs> Welcome to Comic Bay. <laughs> this... After it's the anniversary episode, not that's of Comic right. Bay, but of us. Mm, our anniversary. Yeah. We're recording this the morning after our anniversary. Mm-hmm. It also, I'm really hungover, so this is... Gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quietly sip my matcha and mm. uh, just, <laughs> just really, well, really struggle through this. <laughs> I know you're suffering. Um, I at least have reason to feel good. We are finally out of the Marvel DC muck and mire. The quagmire? Yeah, we're out of it. We're done. We're getting a breezy, fun, refreshing book this week. The comic mire? Comagwire? Nope, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just going to let that sit in the air. I'm just throwing it out there, just seeing seeing what sticks. You know what's really unfair about this podcast is that... You edit these episodes, thank you so much. And so I feel like if I make a real boneheaded, like if I say something dumb, it's like that stays in forever. It's like if Hannah makes a comic guire reference that no one, that literally no one understands, whoop, where'd it go? Like, no, that's going to become a thing. Comic wire. Comic. You, you heard it here. What does it mean exactly? It's when you are stuck in one specific type of comic for far too long. Yeah. You're lost. And don't get me wrong. In I, what some would call a quagmire. But what Hannah's calling... A comic wire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love this woman. <laughs> We've been married a year now. Yeah. Uh, and this book, I actually found on our honeymoon in Portland. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to Floating World Comics. In Portland. Justin insists that we go every time we visit. It's a good store. It's really cool. It's almost like it's just like every other comic book store. Absolutely not like every other comic store. Sure. Generally, I tend towards the stores that are run by grumpy, middle-aged people who are jaded and cynical. You feel at home there? They're your, they're like. Oh man, shout outs to Hijinx Comic in San Jose. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I love, that might be the greatest comic store in the entire world that's like what this podcast is just going to become it's like you listing off comic book stores it's like no don't stop keep going what collector's inc in chico that was amazing family run Uh, business the lady there is so sweet so nice and helpful and they've got so much stuff collector's inc in chico all of these places i have been dragged to many times but we found this book in portland in (laughs) floating world comics it looks like a manga. It is heavily inspired by manga, but it's not. Uh, it's a French comic book. The French, I, the French manga. This podcast will probably be full of like bad French accents and <laughs> references to Gaston. Oh and, my god, and, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. now that I know that that's on the table, <laughs> you can for sure bet there's going to be some Beauty and the Beast references. Right. What if I did this entire podcast in a French accent? I think you should. Maybe I will. No, I can't can't maintain that. (laughs) Well, you'll never know unless you try, unless you really push yourself on it. No. (laughs) Um, No, so this comic is called Last Man, Volume 1. The Stranger. (laughs) Ree, 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 ree. Oh, that was gross. I never want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) It's written by Bastien Vives and Balak. Uh, drawn. What a dope name! Wait, is that Balak? Is a it's a pseudonym. Oh. He's got a very normal French name, but is uh, it a one? Is he a one name guy like Madonna? I guess. I mean, he does have a real name, like a normal French name, but I didn't bother to write it down because <laughs> Balak. That's so. pretty cool. He sounds like a count, like an evil count or a devil, like, Ooh, like yeah. a ruler of hell. Yeah. Um. So it's written. By those two, but it is drawn by Vives and My- Mikhail Sanlaville. Sanlaville? I don't know. Sanlaville. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, oh no. That's great. A couple of these guys, Balak and Vives, knew each other from like internet forums where they discussed like geek culture and mm-hmm. big breasted women. Wow, great. That's, like, <laughs> I'm just, that's. What it said in the interview. Wow. <laughs> I guess in totality, this series is six volumes long so far. Mm-hmm. 
and is it still ongoing i think they're gonna start a new chapter it i'm so honestly i'm a little confused by some of these terms i'm not overly familiar with european comics mm -hmm. and uh european comics like this would be called an album it's not like a trade paperback or a this is like an album. What it, like I guess what's the difference? Like why one sounds more pretentious than the other? Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> one, I don't know. It's I think one is more French. This it sounds so hard. I'm trying so hard not to sound like someone who studied abroad for a year and came back with like how much better <laughs> Europe is, but like European comics get so much more respect than American comics. Like comics here are kind of seen as lowbrow trash for it's essentially shorthand for like dumb kids read comics or at least that's the way it was yeah traditionally now i think they have a little bit more broad appeal but in europe comic artists are celebrated and respected do you think it's because um superhero comics just have such a monopoly on the american comic industry possibly because that's the thing i don't i actually don't know anything about european comics or like the, what the european comic industry is like but I would imagine that because Marvel and DC are sort of based out of the United States, that um, we sort of like, it's much more like superhero focused here rather than maybe in Europe where it's like way more edgy and original. I, I would say that that probably has a lot to do with how comics are seen. I would say that the roots of this are traced back to the 1950s where the Senate's held hearings on comic books like are they too violent and inappropriate for children and then um there was some in the united states in the united yeah. states essentially a, a do-gooder psychologist named frederick wortham writes a book called seduction of the innocent and basically everyone gets whipped up into a furor over oh my gosh comics are so crazy they're so violent and so deranged and our kids are reading them because millions of kids were reading them. Mm -hmm. And so comic books kind of freaked out that they were going to basically be like shut down by the government. Mm. So they self-censored with the Comics Code Authority and they became very, very simplistic, kind of inane. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like not, it's like you couldn't, for the longest time, it's like you couldn't have werewolves or vampires <laughs> in your, like there were like, there was like a list of accepted monsters you could have and like, you could not have a comic that like made fun of law enforcement or you know I or so. I love how like that's what they thought was like leading kids to vice werewolves. Well, of course, by the seventies and sixties, it's like they started to slip in there, and it's like once the dams burst, like you're gonna have werewolves, and you're gonna have vampires. It's 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 just funny. Like the Comics Code Authority was like just such a weird puritanical organization where they would send things back with like, you have to change this, you have to wipe this out and redraw this. And it led to some real drivel coming out of the, coming out of the States for a long time. And I think it killed a lot of the creativity and originality in the, in the industry. And so we're kind of, we're stuck, like, don't get me wrong. There is good stuff that came out of Marvel and DC at this time, obviously. But I think that comics here have sort of been hobbled and they're coming out of that now as we've gotten rid of the Comics Code Authority. But I don't think European comics were handcuffed in quite the same way. So they've just and, had more time and just more opportunity yeah, to kind they, of like explore and be more edgy or unique. So Last Man, Volume 1, The Stranger. <laughs> what did you think? Um, uh, I really liked it. Yeah? I would give it an A+. You know how I know you really liked it? How? I don't know. I just had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember I was like stepping out of the room and you're like, is this, is there more of this? And I thought I sort of interpreted it as a, you were confused by how it ended and we're like, where is this going? I mean, you know? yes. I but then that, as but... <laughs> I was talking to you, I sort of got the sense that maybe, maybe you were a little curious about where this series was going and maybe you just... We're jonesing for a little bit more of that last man. I mean, we are actually going to pick up the next, like, two or three volumes of this today. I'm actually very excited. We're going to go to the same place <laughs> that we had dinner on our wedding night. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to... It's right next to a comic shop. We're going to slip in there. We're going to pick up a few more volumes of this series. Fun fact, we yeah. actually stopped at that comic book shop on our wedding day. We, like... <laughs> it wasn't my idea, I swear. <laughs> I didn't do it. I, was it your idea? No, you suggest. I mean, I thought it. I definitely, I was like, 
<laughs> I was putting those vibes out there in the universe, little pheromones walking out of my ears. So I was just feeling really generous. I yeah. was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, interesting. How strange. <laughs> and you were like, you know, we have a little bit of time before our table's ready. Like, we could step in for a moment. <laughs> So, of course, I went in. We run into a dear friend of ours, Cameron. He's, like, one of the only... Like, we didn't invite anyone to our wedding except for Cameron. Yeah. Cameron was Not even that. our parents. No, no one. one. Yeah. It just a... our, our favorite um, purveyor of comic books. That's right. It was uh, it was three stories deep underground in a secret cavern. <laughs> there was a lot of bloodletting and wailing. Yeah. Um, we had to pay extra for the bloodletting, though, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, wedding costs so expensive. Yeah, because as soon as they find out it's a wedding, they mark up the price. Right, and they're like, this bloodletting, you know, for a standard, it would be like, you know, at least $100 cheaper. I don't think... But wedding bloodletting is going to be a yeah, lot more pricey. I don't think I've ever paid more than $30 for a bloodletting. And, right. And then it's like, suddenly it's 200 Yeah, like, what is that? Part of it is that because it's the wedding industry and they know how particular, like, brides and grooms can be about, you know, their perfect day, they're like, okay... We're going to charge as much because we know you're probably going to hassle us about like how it's done and you're going to make sure that it's done just right. Are you using leeches? Like, are you going to be using any like utensils? Do we have to bring our own? Are they cage free leeches? Right, exactly. (laughs) Are they fed? (laughs) They fed antibiotics. Okay, I think we I think we we've drained this about as much as we can. Um, But we're going to go pick up some more volumes of this comic. We really like it. Yeah, it's great. It's definitely, yeah, it's interesting because, like, the whole premise of the podcast is sort of, like, we try to focus on, like, really iconic comics, sort of, like, um, comics that would be considered tent poles in the comic industry. I want to be clear. You're focused on the tent poles. (laughs) I'm focused on the foundation. Okay. I I have a reputation to maintain as a... Nerd boy? As a connoisseur. Okay. (laughs) Of finer reading... And so it's like, I'm happy to sit through and read through the Marvel DC best of 100 all-time greatest. But what I really like, I like finding books that either speak to me or someone that I love. But yeah, I liked it a lot. I would give it A+. Plus. Um, I might... Four stars. <laughs> so you give it an A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> The reason, yeah, you're hearing some laughter right now because I've just cut out the entire section where Justin talks about his rating system again. <laughs> I, we will not be silenced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this an A+. Plus. Um, I think I would shave like a couple points off again for like the um, the ending, not because I thought it was bad, but just because it really leaves you hanging. Um, which I don't think is necessarily like a bad thing. I think it's just kind of like, it was just, it didn't end in a way that was super satisfying. I feel like they set up some stuff that I'm sure gets resolved in like later, um, volumes, but like, um, it just like never really like sort of tied stuff up at the end here. But so, I guess that makes, I don't know. Well, you also have to remember that this book is kind of aping the style of manga comics. So it's like, this book is produced really fast. Yeah. And they're just coming out. So it's like, I'm sure if you were in France, you'd have already read the next ones and and been up to date with what, like, yeah, but it does, it ends in a sort of way that, like, I think the American publishers of this knew Mm -hmm. that because they give you a preview of the next, of the next volume and you're kind of like, I think they knew they're like, you're going to want some more. Right, because it it ends so abruptly. It just like cuts off and you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, okay, like, sure. All right. Man, it's funny, like, you mentioned, we've been talking about how much we like this book, and, like, as I'm, like, looking it up on Wikipedia and all this, they're talking about, like, oh, it received mixed reviews, mixed reviews, but everyone I've lent this to has loved it. I loved it. All the reviews I read online loved it. It won a prize at the second largest comic festival in all of Europe, and it's, like, Maybe that's just something people throw in just to add, like, flavor to their, you know, like, ooh, mixed reviews. It's just like, "Mm, you be the judge. It's like, okay. I think first and foremost, like, the art for this thing is incredible. It It is. It's It's really good. It's really unique. But at a first glance, you're not that impressed, right? No, because it it sort of looks like it's very, um, what's the word I want to use? It's like, it's just... um, Economical? Yeah, at first glance it seems really kind of like um i don't know i don't really know how i would describe it actually simple flat 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but it but it it's still it's still really well done and it it gets across everything that it needs to. And I think most importantly it reads yeah. really well. It they really only use like three tones. It's like you've got your black, your like strong black, mm-hmm. your pure white and then there's like a gray mid-tone. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that this art is like it's very storyboard influenced. It feels yeah. it feels very like these are storyboards, but really well done storyboards. Mm-hmm. And um, it reads like the action is so clear and fast moving. You never really question what's going on. So when you like open the book up, you're kind of not impressed because you're not seeing a lot of like, oh, this is six point perspective. We're looking up at Superman as he's flying down and like, like, but at the same time, when you read the sequences, it's like a Jackie Chan movie. You're seeing this crazy fight. You can tell exactly what's going on. It's funny. I feel like that's very specific. I love Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's a huge point of contention in this relationship. <laughs> Jackie Chan. As a person, I don't know that he's the best person. But as an artist, director, choreographer, kung fu fighter, singer. Don't. I fucking knew you were going to add that in. He is not a singer. He is. I mean, he's only sold millions of albums. He no, no. Jackie Chan is the world's greatest. Jackie Chan is fine. He's fine. So the art, the art is awesome. Um, I think that like the action reads really well. This like there's a lot of humor and body language. Yeah. Um, the women are like curvaceous and like sensual. Yeah, I liked it. I was like I was also I was a little bit nervous because it's definitely has a manga flavor about it. And um one of the things that I hate most in this world is manga. It hurts to hear you say it. <laughs> it's like every time you say it, you're twisting the knife. I hate manga <sighs> so much. I'll be sending out handwritten apologies to all my friends who know better. <laughs> I it just it hurts to say that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, what I was gonna say too is that I would. Yeah, I was a little bit hesitant because I was like, this has a manga flavor about it. I'm not so sure. Kind of sniffing around this book. I don't know what to make of it. But reading it, it was actually like I really liked it. You know what I think is funny about this is that. Um, we'll just say that Hana's not big on manga and she's not big on incels. And I feel like you could almost make the case that to Hana, manga is for incels. Like manga is like the incel of the comic book world in that it's like kind of weird and geeky and it doesn't re- al- doesn't always relate well to women and girls, according to her. And, oh my God. but it's like, all of a sudden you slap a little French fuckboy flavor on this thing <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's so geeky and charming. Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. I think my hatred for manga comes from working at the SF State bookstore um, and just like sifting through piles and piles of just trash manga day after day. I, it's just like. Look, I know that I'm, I know I'm like oversimplifying it. I know I'm being, yes, stereotyping. Yes, all of those things. But I just like, I I also think that I've just never been a huge fan of anime either. I'm just not a fan of that art style. I'm just like, it just does not speak to me. We'll get you. Don't worry. We'll get you. No. Okay. I'm not. I don't want it. (laughs) This book is kind of interesting because it is so clearly manga based. They actually modeled it on the shonen genre of manga which is based primarily aimed at young like teenage males like uh, 12 to 18 shock. and i think Huge no i know i think you can tell reading it it's like dude <laughs> adrian's mom has got it going on adrian's mom has got it going on dude she like that is she's right. fine i mean She's... and that's also the main takeaway from this book is that everyone wants to fuck adrian's oh mom. my like... god they're so thirsty it's crazy <laughs> it's insane it's just like that's that was probably like the main plot point in this. but it's weird because like so in an interview with these creators they were talking about how like the only thing with this is that they were really tone down the sexual aspect of it yeah it's definitely implied in it there's oh, a, like sure. you see them one of the main dudes he wakes up next to a woman and she's sort of you know yeah in his bed like 
it, there is sex in this book, but it's not outright stated. Yeah. And I think that it's almost classy the way they do it, where you're just like, oh my gosh, she's so... I like, guess. I wouldn't... I don't know. So... It's very French. Is, <laughs> <laughs> that's just going to be like the catch-all for like everything in this book. It's like, no, oh, they're just yeah. French. It's fine. Yeah. This book is about this kid, Adrian, who he's like training to be in this tournament. And the world that this book is based in, it's kind of like... It's it's sort of magic, uh, what it's like kind of like medieval, but not. It actually is just a combination of a bunch of different styles. You get some like Renaissance stuff in there. You get some medieval stuff, and also maybe some like modern day actually a little bit. But it's not it's not sci fi. It's not fantasy. I would say maybe a little fantasy. So in reading interviews by these creators, they were going for manga influence, like manga influence. What if John McClane from Die Hard Mm -hmm. was dropped into like a Dragon Ball Z fighting tournament? Oh, yeah. And then so it's like you've got the fighting tournament. That's exactly what this book is. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, you mix in the fact that one of these dudes is a video game like designer. Yeah. I... I don't. I wasn't one of able, the writers of this book, or one of the artists of this book. Oh, okay. I wasn't able to determine whether he is quote a rising star or mm-hmm. whether he's like actually someone who's already acclaimed and well known in the video game industry. But he works in video games, and um, you can definitely see the video game influence in this too. Like one of the reviewers was like, the fighting style is very similar to Final Fantasy, where it's like mm-hmm. sort of like a turn based yeah. magic, and this main dude. Who's very clearly like from our time, like the from present our time. day. Yeah. yeah. He he just goes in there and roughs these yokels up. Yeah. He basically just beats the shit out of them. Essentially, yeah. like, so this dude, Richard Aldana is his name. And he's like from our time, but he basically gets dropped into this kind of like medieval fantasy situation. Well, some people like in some of the reviews I read, they are saying that he doesn't like it's like he's dropped in here. He doesn't know how he got here. But the read I got in was that he does this somewhat regularly. Yeah, exactly. Like, he kind of goes around fighting in these tournaments. So Not necessarily by choice, but we don't really... Right, it, like... it's weird. It's like he's like... He, he does seem, like, surprised. Not surprised to be there, per se, but just sort of like, okay, it's just another tournament. Like, what is this one? You know what I mean? Yeah, like... He's, like, he's like, oh, it's a magic one. Okay, got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, basically, you're introduced to Richard Aldana and then also Adrian, this kid. Adrian Velba. Adrian Velba. And, um, he... and his hot mom. And his hot fucking mom. Yeah, so he wants to enter this tournament. He's like a pretty small, like, shrimpy little 12-year-old. And um, his it's a per... it's a partner tournament. So his partner gets sick. And he gets disqualified, and he's kind of, like, hanging out. And that's when Richard Aldana shows up, and he's late to the tournament. He's like, hey, kid, like, um, do you want to be my partner? And so they kind of partner up, and um, basically Richard Aldana ends up just beating the shit out of everybody. And they win. And everybody, everybody, all the people watching are kind of upset. Yeah. Because he's such a brutish man, and they're like, oh, how could he just strike down? Like, because he just... I mean, these people are, like, waving their hands around doing these, like, they're, like, summoning spells, and he just decks them with, like, one-hitter quitters. It's also very, like, Avatar The Last Airbender, where it's kind of, like, everyone has a style. It's, like, air style, like, earth style, and, like... Yeah, Adrian is, like, trying to summon, like, tree energies. Yeah. And Richard Aldana's like, why are you summoning a tree? Trees are great, but they're not for fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, there's just so many great moments in this because Richard is clearly a dirtbag. Oh, yeah. He, But he's sort of charming because he is such a badass. Mm-hmm. You, It's weird. You like him, but he does some dirty shit that you're kind of like, you're... Yeah, you're like, you're kind of an asshole. Y- he's like... a huge asshole. And he's like, it's almost like you wouldn't pity him because, like, he would fuck you up but at the same time like he's cool you like him you don't like him you feel kind of bad for him yeah you know what's funny is Mm. that like so i they were talking about the translation of this book because originally it's from france right and they were saying that for the english translation they definitely toned down a lot of the language and richard aldona is more of a tick really in the french version like he says some horrible stuff and i'm just french of them but 
there's something about him. He looks fucking cool. He does. Well, and, yeah, it's like, it's because he's surrounded by all these losers in tunics and, and fucking tights. lederhosen. Yeah, and he's, well, probably, no, less lederhosen, more tunics and tights. Yeah, and, I, think uh, the, I think the medieval stuff is sort of French-based medieval era yeah. stuff. Like, the thing with this is that it's like, I don't, you're not in a specific time period, really. But it's, like, they just, like, kind of throw together, like, the king and the queen, you're, like, this is clearly, like, Renaissance style. But then it's, like, you've got these, like, peasants where you're, like, this is so, like, medieval. Like, what are we doing here? Like, and um, normally I feel like I would be bothered by that. But it's because it's, like, this world that's sort of, like, a fantasy. It's, like, a catch-all fantasy world. It doesn't really matter. Right. It kind of reminded me, actually, of, like, um, Klingons. How they're, like, uh, Elizabethan samurai, basically. I'm sorry. I've just cried so much. <laughs> One of Justin's yeah. favorite things, aside from comics, is Star Trek. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, the Klingons are so cool because they're that hybrid of, like, Elizabethan, like, yeah. hairstyle and facial They've hair. They've got, like, the beard, the pointed, the tipped beard, and then their, but their armor is all very, like, samurai-influenced. Okay, so they enter this tournament, and then we're kind of introduced to the bad guy who, I don't, don't think he has a name. He's just, like, the Duke. Lord Ignacio Kudna. That's his name? Yeah. Um, yeah, that guy. He's, so he's the bad guy. And, um, he, he doesn't actually do anything in this volume. He just is kind of, like, scoping people out. And basically, like, his little rat spies, like, they, um, tell him about, um, Aldana and, you know, his, um, tiny sidekick, Adrian. They're basically just, like, monitoring him and kind of, like, following him. But nothing ever really comes from that in this something There's something fishy about this tournament. Like, yeah. He he says some lines like, how goes our annual experiment? Or, Mm -hmm. like, so there's something going on. We don't know what, but I assume we'll find out more. Yeah, it's basically, like, it's a magic tournament. You kind of get the impression that it happens once a year, every year. It's a big um, deal to Adrian. Yeah, it's his first time in the tournament, and so he, like, will... That's why he kind of teams up with Aldana, is because it's, like, he he's basically, like, desperate and will do anything to get into the tournament. Yeah. And also, Aldana is, like, big and strong and will probably... Well, what I think win. is kind of cool about it is that Aldana is a dirtbag, but kind of... The, they spend some time together, and they end up kind of, like... He's like, well, I'm going to teach you a few fighting things, because Adrian is the weakest member of his class and he goes to a very traditional fighting school and he's he's the sort of small fry there Mm -hmm. um the teacher is kind of nice to him and kind of not yeah he's fucking hot for his mom oh my god can we we gotta talk about about the teacher the teacher he okay first of all He's the biggest dork. He just has the most foppish haircut and this really lame facial hair. Mm -hmm. And he just wears those, like, what are those called? Where the pantaloons. Oh, like pantaloons, yeah. Where they, like, blow out and they're all puffy. He's just such... He also, like, his whole fighting uh, sort of style or mentality around, like, winning and fighting is basically... um, you know, very strict sort of, like, set moves that you then do. Um, And he is in love with Adrian's mom. Like, it's funny because at first you just get the sense that he like has a crush on her. Right. He's a little awkward on her. He's like, oh, uh, about my offer for dinner. And she likes is sort of more focused on the fact that her kid was just disqualified. She's like, oh, re- you know, Adrian wanted to do this so badly. Like, I'm, you know, she's like focused on that. Doesn't yeah. really notice him. Yeah. But so. she does agree. So he asked her out to dinner and she's like, yeah, like she, it's the, it's one of those things where you can tell that she is into him. Yeah, she the date goes well. She I know. he takes cuz Adrian and her they're dirt poor. Yeah. She's like the most amazing baker in this Kings Valley. Mm-hmm. And but they're poor and this teacher takes he's lavish dinner he's dressed up he's got manners he's cultured right the date goes well yeah the date goes really well like and it's like especially because at this point in the comic you know obviously like Aldana showed up and he's kind of like um he's definitely like hitting on her and he like is trying to like get some shit started but she's having none of it because she's interested in the trainer and the teacher well also she just doesn't want her kid to be hurt she's like right. and she also, sees she's right like, she sees right through richard she, well that's actually one of the things that i like too because i feel like too often in like children's um in like movies or books or i mean yeah in comics um you know this 
it's like no mom in the real world is gonna be like, oh, hey, strange man that I don't know. Yeah, you can hang out with my kid and I'll just like not be here. But I feel like in children's media, they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's like because it's part of the story. Like, and because the trainer is usually a good guy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they're like, yeah, that's totally fine. You can just like hang out with my kid. But it's interesting because they spend a lot of time where the mom is just like hanging out because she's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna leave you with a strange man, Adrian. Like, what? Like, and I, I did appreciate, like, that, sense, like, level of sort of realism where it's like, okay, like, yeah. Yeah, she cares about Adrian a lot. Yeah. And she kind of likes the, I don't think she has strong feelings for the teacher, but. Right, she, I think she's like, oh, he's, like, a nice guy, and, like, and I think that also she's kind of coming around to Aldana as well. She's like, ah, oh, he's, like, he's a dick, yeah. but I think she's very sexually attracted to him. Oh, as are we all. I know, yeah, I mean. But the teacher fucks it Dude, which, okay, which was insane. <laughs> Why? I, it, to, for no reason. Okay, yeah, so the date goes super well. He's, like, walking her home. She's literally in the process of being like, hey, do you want to come inside? And he loses his fucking mind. Like, yeah. he, like, it was insane. Reading this sequence, I was like, what is happening? I know. Oh, but my it's God. it's so funny. He, like, starts, like, screaming. Like, just being like, I love you. I love you so I've much. I've loved you since the moment I saw you. But, like, and insanely. Like, he's, like, on the ground, like, Kneeling, screaming. grabbing the hem of her skirt. It's like, bro, she just invited you inside. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, then, be cool. Be cool. Goes, I love how she's like, hey, like, I think you you need to calm down and he's like calm down yeah. i can't calm down and he starts smashing his head into the doorway was, yeah you're like what the fuck is going on and obviously she's like okay like and she kind of like is like okay you gotta go good, good, goodbye goodbye like you gotta go you gotta respect his game though what <laughs> 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 said no one ever yeah, no that no it was it was it was the comic equivalent of like watching a cringe video. Yeah, it was. It was very... oh, just like what a fucking oh. It's weird because like narrative wise, I'm not sure why it was so important for him to be. Like, why did he have to flip out like that? Like, it could have just been this thing where like she starts, she likes him, but she starts to get feelings for Richard, and he's yeah. jealous. It's like, why, why? Why did he have to have, like, a nervous, like, a fucking breakdown? <laughs> but at the same time, like, I loved that sequence so much that I'm like, I wouldn't want to see it excised from the book. Right. I wouldn't want to see it taken out. It was so funny. But how much do you think that that was just, like, the writers just, like, in a room one day being like, what if he just lost his fucking mind? Like... <laughs> and then they pulled it off to see this, like, foppish dandy in yeah. pantaloons, like, <laughs> smashing his head into a... Like... I just felt so bad for him because she was, like, she was on board. She was like, yeah, we're gonna go inside and fuck. Like, what? No, they weren't gonna fuck. No, I mean, yeah. Because... Adrian's Adrian mom was, is too she, classy. She also, invited, we keep calling her Adrian's mom. She has a name. It's Marianne, but, like... No, she she invited him in for, like, a drink, and, you know, they might have had a chaste kiss or something. Yeah. If, like, if he had played it a little closer to the vest. Yeah, Jesus, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, just fuck, instead of losing it. But, yeah, I guess it's, like, it makes it more interesting than if um it had gone, like, the classic narrative path where it's, like... Um, you know, she's torn between these two guys and like one of them's a bad boy. Ooh. Um, and she just sort of organically ends up with the other one. Cause eventually like this does play in later in the book where, um, they have this encounter where he kind of freaks out and then, um, he sort of takes his revenge on Aldana, like in the tournament because he can obviously tell that Marianne's kind of, like, getting more into him as the book progresses. Well, I think also that tactically he's very smart. I yeah. think he... I don't think anyone in this world except Adrian respect Aldana and his fighting style. Right. They think it's crude. They think he's a brute. They don't like him. he doesn't use any magic. And he does this thing, too, where it's, like, the rules are very, like, formal. And so, like, he loses a lot of points in the tournament but usually wins by, like, a knockout or a ring out. Mm -hmm. And so, essentially, the teacher, who is tactically pretty good, tells his student, like, how to beat Aldana, which is essentially, like, use the rules to your advantage. You're, like, you get points for strikes. So he's, like, doing these, like, no damage strikes to Aldana, and he ends up disqualifying Aldana from the tournament. Aldana's not hurt. He's just kind of annoyed by these little yeah fl- uh, flashes of light that keep you know bouncing well, off him. Well, that's the thing. It's like the magic in this is so fucking lame. Yeah, like it's just like wind power, and it's like yeah. we're like okay, okay. And it's like twenty. Right. It's like 
Okay, so this movie, like you mentioned earlier, Avatar The Last Airbender, the yeah. series, which is amazing. But I think the way the magic works in this is actually closer to Avatar The Last Airbender, the movie. Are you talking about the M. Night Shyamalan? The travesty, yes. In the cartoon, one dude can summon, you know, a firestorm or like lift the earth or all yeah. this sort of crazy stuff. In the movie, it takes 10 people in formation like it takes them like six moves to like lift a little rock and move it along and you're like what like i actually never saw oh my it's painful it yeah i was like i I was so surprised that anybody even went to go i was like we all know this is gonna be bad we did but we were like let's see how bad and it was (laughs) maybe worse yeah than what you thought it was i just remember like there's a scene there's a famous revolt scene in the cartoon where like the earthbenders kind of rise up oh yeah and they have a, a similar revolt in the movie but there's like 10 earthbenders and they're doing almost like uh, karate, like kata, like form, yeah. formalized moves in unison. And like, so there's like 10 of them. And they're like, huh, yeah, kia. Uh-huh. And then like this little rock gets picked up and like floats across the screen. And you're like, it took yeah. 10 of you guys to do yeah, that? Yeah, it's like, cool. That's like, maybe they're really bad uh, earthbenders. Like, well, like the firebenders in the cartoon can just make fire. They can yeah. just summon it. And in this... They have to have, like, a campfire that they can then manipulate, and it's, like... It's so late. I mean, and that's kind of what makes, like, Aldana so refreshing, is that he just, like, gets in there and just, like, messes shit up. Exactly. And so, the book ends on this cliffhanger, because now Adrian, who is a notoriously weak fighter, has to now step into the ring with, like... What's cool is that, like, this dude he's about to fight is not, like, his rival or his bully... It's just another kid from his class who's better than he is. This kid is someone who's, like, really good in his class. He kind of got humiliated in front of Adrian. Yeah. And so he's, like, it's cool. Also, him and Adrian are sort of, like, after the same girl. Yeah, yeah. And this, But this kid isn't, like, a bully. He's not a mean, evil kid. He's just, like, he's a a kid who's maybe pride got injured, and he's, like, now he's... He's just uh, used to being the best. He's used to being the best. He got humiliated in front of Adrian, and now they're going to step in the ring and fight. Yeah, I can relate to that. And it's hard being the best all the time. How would you know? Wow, rude. I know that you... Oh, because you can see my struggles as yeah. I am. <laughs> Is it hard being married to someone who's just perfect at everything? She asked herself. <laughs> as she looked into the mirror despondently. <laughs> I think that was a halfway decent rambling summary of the book like yeah i mean it's a pretty short book there's like i mean the main plot points like there's a tournament adrian teams up with this like time traveler like world topper um they fight the tournament they they adrian basically helps win yeah i think they both give each other and then everybody wants to fuck adrian's mom yes at the end (laughs) (laughs) and the only one who definitely doesn't have a shot is the fucking dorky the teacher. Fucking teacher who loses his fucking I mind. almost wonder if they didn't put this as, like, a, a message to, like... You know, like, because this is targeted at young males. Yeah. So it's, like, it's almost like an important lesson that everybody has to learn where they're, like... Stay cool. Chill. <laughs> yeah. Just, what, what did you it's call like, that apathy is your... Like, in dating, oh, yeah. apathy is your friend? Oh, fuck yeah. That's my... Actually, that's probably the my, my go-to dating advice is like embrace apathy because That's why the, she blew me off for two months that after is I not, asked her out. I did actually do that and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it all worked out in the end. I know. Yeah, I was like we had we had one date and then we like did not meet again. For the record, for you like had you were involved in a wedding party and there was like a million other things going on. Yeah. So I do remember I I asked a few times and I was kind of like, okay, she's not interested. And then, but you sent me that really sweet text. I was like, hey, I'm definitely still interested. I just, there's a lot going on. So, and it worked out in the end. I I know it did. Well, it was because I knew you were special. I was like, I saw you. We locked eyes. I was like, yeah. And then you busted out that pencil and started sharpening it with your knife. And I was like, forget this. <laughs> That's such a skewed version of events. Look, so Justin and I met at this like figure drawing class, basically. And he walks in and I'm like, all right, that guy's kind of cute. And he sits down. And instead of using a pencil sharpener, like a normal fucking human, he takes out his pencil and starts sharpening it with this tiny knife. Like, he's fucking, like, sitting on the side of, like, a river somewhere about to, like, sketch this pastoral fucking sea. It was the douchiest thing I've ever seen. It was an X-Acto blade. 
<laughs> and it makes sense. Just use a pencil sharpener. Because then you get a perfect point, which may not be what you want for drawing. Like sometimes, have you like if you have like a wider tip, you're making this you know worse what I'm talking for yourself. About. You're making yeah. this worse for yourself. All I'm saying is, if you want a little more control, you have to do it by hand. It just ugh, God, <laughs> like I wanted to talk briefly about how this book was made before okay. yeah. before we wrap this up. It's. It's such a weird book. I've never heard of something like this. Like, so traditionally in comics, you either, like, you have an artist and a writer who, like, they work from a full script. Writer writes a full script, like a movie. Yeah. And the artist interprets it. It gets inked. It gets colored. It gets lettered and then put to press. Or you have the Marvel method, which is... The writer gives a treatment or an outline and then the artist interprets it and then the writer then comes back in and like figures out dialogue and narration mm -hmm. that fits the drawings. You also have like the auteur who's like someone who just does everything by themselves. But this one is by three people. As I understand it, they're, they're committed to putting out 20 pages a week, which is an insane output. Yeah. But so essentially what happens is they have a Well, that a, definitely explains why their sort of drawing style is much more simple. So simple, yeah. so clean and efficient. And um so basically like Vivet comes up with the outline, the general arc of the story, and then he brings it to the other two, tells them stuff. They have a big discussion about like changes they would make, dialogue, action, all this. While this is happening, Balak is making storyboards on paper towels. It's weird. I, I don't know if that's like a mistranslation in the interview, but that's what he says. He's making storyboards on paper towels. <laughs> the French are like, yeah, we all do that. Isn't that Paper what towels, we wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> like, no, I, it's... It, it, to, it's do you not also use the paper towel? So, yeah, so they go through this, like, there's like this gestation period where, like, he does these, like, knockout boy uh, storyboards. And Balak comes from... He has an animation background as well. He's a French comic artist. Yeah. So they're all artists. Mm -hmm. um, Bastien Vivet is a comic book artist. Balak is an animation, an animator and a comic artist. And then San Lavie is like a video game designer. Okay. And so essentially, once the storyboards are done, based off the storyboards, they'll draw the 20 pages, 10 pages each a week. Wow. And so they're drawing those like as they're discussing the next 20 pages and this thing just gets churned out 20 pages and so i was looking is that typically how manga is done because isn't it like a pretty fast manga is super fast and that's why you'll notice like not a lot of backgrounds and yeah and but man mangas also have like or, always in it's always in black and white mostly in black and white uh, yeah, sometimes there's like, like supplemental color and all this but yeah. uh traditionally like a manga studio like you've got your artist and editor but then that artist also has like you know, anywhere from one to a handful of assistants who are helping him. So I guess this is not that different from manga production, but it's very different from how American comics are produced. I just thought it was really interesting. Um, it's, and also the fact is like two of the, like, it's not like one artist and then the assistants. Yeah. It's like, they're all kind of equal in a weird way. So I'm like looking at some of these, some of these guys have blogs. Yeah. And I was looking at like, Bastian Vive's like his art and I was like oh he does everything I was like oh, really? I was like yeah I was like this looks exactly like him oh that's cool but then I was looking at San Levy and it was like oh wait a minute they're drawing like it's not that Whoa, it's, it's not, like they have the same style it's not I don't think that they have the same style in terms of like it, it's it's this art is such a perfect synthesis of all three of them together yeah like I think that's like uh, Balak, the animator. I think he brings a lot of like fluidity to this. Uh huh. I, I just thought the the style in this thing is incredible. It's um... no, I thought it was really good. I loved, yeah, the character design was really great. Um, it's weird because it's like when it does get really detailed, it is really it is really well done. Like sometimes some of the characters are really fleshed out. No, they definitely sell backgrounds and crowd shots. They like really yeah. sell those. What do you think the deal is with, like, with Aldana? Like, where do you think he's from? I think he's from, it's kind of, I think he's from, like, a, a Hollywood blockbuster style world. You know, he is okay. a John McClane, like, yeah. not necessarily our world, because, like, nobody could be this badass in our world. Yeah. And, um, so he's, like, he's, like, from an action movie type world, not like he's from an actual action movie, but, right. like, and I, I don't know if he's, like, 
we don't really know what his motivations are for winning these tournaments, but yeah. my sense is that he's forced to for some like he has to in order to move on. Maybe he's trying to get home and he's got to beat these tournaments. It to does move seem to- like he yeah, he just keeps going to like these different worlds and like he doesn't say that outright. That's just the sense that you get because he's just kind of like, oh, okay, he's like, okay do another tournament, okay, these guys use magic, so you're like, okay, so you do a lot of these, it sounds like he's just going from one to the other, and, like, it's all, in he all these different wary. places. He seems wary. World wary. It's interesting, too, because at first I was like, oh, is he, like, time-traveling? Did he accidentally yeah. get, like, sent back to this other time? But I think it's just a different world. I think it's just a different world, too, because, like, when he's in the bar trying to pay for drinks, he's, like, got all these different coins. Oh, right, yeah. The bartender's like, nope, never seen that. Nope, yeah. nope. And then they find some currency that they, like, mutually agree on. Right, so, right. I think it's more dimension hopping than yeah. time travel, but I don't know. I'm very curious to find out. Would you ever, like, I mean, would you ever time travel? No. No? Way, no way. Even if you knew you weren't going to mess anything up and you were going to Oh, that's back. different. Yeah. If I so knew like, I was... like No butterfly effect. Like, you're basically just going to go oh, and then sure. you'll come back. Yeah. Where but, would you go? Um, I have two. Don't say dinosaurs. No, fuck no. Okay. Fuck no. You wouldn't come back. You'd be <laughs> like... Uh, I just feel like everybody says that. No. I was like, okay, cool. I'd sure. see I'd see Thin Lizzy in concert uh, <laughs> with the full band. Uh, and I would meet Jack Kirby. Because he lived, he lived in San Diego for a while. I was like, I'd fall in with that crowd. If and, he's uh, as crusty and as, like, curmudgeon though, as you say he is, like, how are you planning on getting in to see him? Hey, other comic dorks have done it. <laughs> and maybe I could help him punch up his stories so they sold a little better in the later days. Because Jack Kirby got done dirty in his later days. People forgot what that man did. He's seen a renaissance now. But people did him dirty. <laughs> Lastly, before we... Bringing up Marvel again. I, I personally was kind of glad to read something that was a little bit outside. Me of too. I mean, this is the kind of stuff... These are the comics that I am definitely more interested in. These are sort of like where I kind of like... I tend to be more interested in these comics than like the superhero ones. Yeah. Well, I think like... so. Or this was, manga. Or manga. Manga. It, so this was originally published in France, as I've said a million times now. But... Um, <laughs> It, it was brought to America by First Second, which is a division of Macmillan Publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but First Second, if you're not so into superheroes and you're kind of just looking for like some interesting cartooning and interesting stories, like I highly recommend checking them out. They yeah. are, they have some of the coolest artists working today, and they tell self-contained stories. Uh, Faith Heron Hicks, a favorite of yours. Oh yeah, I love. She's her. got a bunch of books from First Second. Uh, Jean Luen Yang, a San Jose native, uh, he published American Born Chinese. He's he works through them a lot. You've got Paul Pope with Battling Boy. There's there's so much good stuff out there. If you need a breather from Marvel and DC, well, wouldn't these be like classified like graphic novels? I guess, but some of them are published as like they were published as issues first and then collected. What actually is the like? What would you say? I guess I've always thought of like graphic novels as being like something that it's like a um. A sort of self-contained story it like has one it's one book that you pick up and it's like it's kind of, it's a comic but it's like yeah i mean i think that there's a comic just that it's serialized like it's funny because there's like no good term yeah for uh comics well because i feel like i run into not all the time but like i remember um you know you meet people and they'd be like oh i don't like comics i like graphic novels and you're like what uh, that always annoyed me too yeah. But it, it's like there is like no term. There's no good term for what this medium is because it's like, what does comic even mean? Funnies? Yeah. Like, is it because it came from the newspaper funnies and then became comic as in humorous, but not all these stories are comic? So that term almost doesn't fit, but that's what we call it. And then so you get Will Eisner trying to invent a more appropriate term, which he comes up with graphic novel. Oh, okay. And he's definitely of the mind, like, some of his work. You know, it's just like they're books, but with the majority of the stories told through drawing. Uh, it's it's so weird. The Europeans call them albums. Which, you mentioned that, yeah. But which I actually kind of like in a weird way, but doesn't make any sense. Kind of like paper towels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All my storyboards on paper towels. And this is an album. And then they just start calling their pencils, like, this is a vase. Like, it's just like, what? And like, do you not also call all of your writing utensils by something totally different? Do you not also cut your pencil with a knife? <laughs> <laughs> How do you? No, Justin, yeah. no one does that. 
No one. We might not even be sitting here today because of that pencil. You're welcome. Oh, man. I think with that, we're done, right? I, I thought it was really sweet that you wanted to read this book, especially because it's, like, it's our anniversary, and you picked it up on our honeymoon. It's really nice. Again, like, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. Yeah. And um, and I reread it, and I was a little worried that I would, maybe I only liked it because the sort of matrimonial glow <laughs> of our honeymoon, this sort of, like... You're just basking in that... <laughs> the honeymoon phase. The honey- <laughs> and then, but it, this book holds up, and does this book make you curious at all to check out, like, Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z? No, not even a little bit. Even though they're also, like, fighting tournaments with humor and emotional stakes like no why not i can't i don't know i just have always i've always hated dragon ball z just like the fucking just everything about it this is dumb dumb bullshit are you basing it on the cartoon yes 100 okay. because the cartoon had a lot of really bad filler like the books are pretty straightforward i also like just never really i mean i've only seen a few the only times I've ever watched Dragon Ball Z is like when there has literally been nothing else on or I'm waiting for something to come on after it. Yeah, but there's also like the dubs were pretty famously bad in the like the first iteration. Yeah. Of, I'm not like, interested in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so you check it out. No. <laughs> I, would, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you love Dragon Ball Z? Or that I hate it and never want to read it. Ever noted well that's our episode join us next week (laughs) new episodes drop every wednesday yeah be sure to pick up comics at your local library or local comic shop yeah all right we love you make good choices Bye. bye Sign out.